our election day show is a cat. Welcome to AT Banter, the podcast where we discuss anything and everything regarding the world of assistive technology. With our hosts, Steve Barkley, Robineau, and Ryan Fleury. Now, let's banter. And hello, and welcome to yet another episode of AT Banter, a very special episode, if I may say so myself, but I might be biased. I am Robineau, and I am joined by Ryan Fleury. I'm Ryan Fleury. And Steve. Steve Barkley, also known in this episode as Meow. <laughs> That's right. Uh, yeah. So here we are. Here we are again. Together again. We are recording on election day. On election day, and we are going to be talking about nothing about the election. Yay. Well, maybe a little bit, but. Well, nah. no. Nah, no, let's just skip it altogether. It's a done deal at this point. Well, let's hope so. Let's hope it's a done deal on the right side. <laughs> no, Steve just wants to win the pool. Or, or the I left, want to win or the, the left side. <laughs> we have a bit of a different show for you today. It still has an AT bent. A little bit. Kind of. Yeah, it does. A little bit. A little bit. A little bit. We've been teasing this show for a few weeks now, but today we are going to be talking to Mick, and I'm not going to attempt to pronounce <laughs> his last name. Sidlowski. Thank you. Uh, who is the cat guardian of Oscar the Blind Cat. He is going to be joining us and chatting a little bit about his experiences with Oscar and what they've been up to over the past few years. Awesome. So, if we're not going to talk about the election, why don't we just skip right to Mick? Let's, let's bring him in. All right. We have talked to a lot of people within a variety of different communities, and this is our first time we've delved into another species. Pet segment. So today, we would like to welcome Mick Savlowski. And no, Mick is not the other species that I was referring to. He <laughs> is actually the guardian of Oscar the Blind Cat, who you've probably seen on this little thing that they have called the Internet. Oscar's videos as a kitten went viral around 2011, and he has since made appearances on national television programs such as Good Morning America, Fox and Friends, Ellen, and The Daily Show. He's lent his fame to a variety of different charities and appearances, and he and his cat compatriot, Klaus, are even the stars of a pair of children's books. We would like to really welcome Mick. Thank you for having me on. Well, with the intro Rob gave you, you don't have to say anything. Uh, I know, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's my whole bio. That's the greatest thing that's... I've ever done in my life is bringing the story of these cats to the masses with whatever means I have. Well, everybody knows the internet is made for sharing cat pictures and videos, so, you know, makes sense. It is. That's why the military created it in the first place, right? Uh, it's a distraction while they operate in the background. That's right. <laughs> Uh, well, all right. Well, let's let's start at the beginning. Uh, tell us how Oscar came into your lives. Sure. Um, you know, I had Klaus for many years before I found Oscar, and and uh, Oscar and finding Oscar was a complete fluke. I responded to a Craigslist ad in the summer of 2011 uh, for a musical instrument. Uh, it was a vintage auto harp, 
something you don't see too often these days, but a friend of mine actually wanted it for his recording studio, and I drove out to a little farm um, from my home at that time, which was Omaha, Nebraska, uh, to a farm near Glenwood, Iowa, maybe 45 minutes away. And on this farm, um, you know, after I sealed the deal for the auto harp, uh, I was introduced to one of the kittens that was living outside. He was actually, I think, one of the last kittens on the farm. Uh, typical, you know, farm cats living outdoors at all times, just kind of fending um, for themselves and probably, you know, controlling some of the rodents and, and uh, pests that are on the farm. But um, I could see right away that there was something different with Oscar. He was born with a condition called microthalmia. So he has very small eyes that are kind of recessed far behind his eyelids. So it, it looked as if though he had no eyes, but he was very confident and, uh, you know, brave cat. And he felt at ease in his outdoor environment. And uh, the farmer just asked if I would like to, you know, bring Oscar home along with Otto Harp. Um, you know, there was some attachment to him on, on behalf of the, of the family there. But at the same time, they probably realized that they have too many cats and he would probably do better in an indoor environment. So um, it was a very quick decision at that point, even though I, I wasn't looking for another cat at the time. I thought I would add a dog to the household. Um, I brought Oscar home in the summer of 2011. So it's been you know over five years now. So it really was sort of a spur of the moment decision. It really was, yes. And and you know my wife uh, Bethany came out with me uh, to the farm, and she she kind of. I don't know, accompanies me on, on the road trips when we would look for, you know, antiques or buy things off of Craigslist and look for cool things. It was fun just to visit small towns and uh, places we normally wouldn't see. And uh, we're both there, so it was a lot easier to make the decision on the spot, too, since we both agreed that it'd be great to bring him home. And how did how did uh, Klaus react when you when you brought him home? Well, you know, the, the reason I wasn't looking for another cat at the time is because Klaus, as a former stray kind of male tomcat, uh, he was somewhat territorial and a little bit aggressive towards other cats. Uh, you know, he just, he really wanted his domain to be his. He did, however, like dogs, so I, that's why we were looking for a dog the whole time. So for the first six or seven days of the introduction, there was, uh, you know, uh, it, it was kind of a, you know, dark cloud over the household because Klaus was depressed almost he was uh, he refused to eat he wouldn't come out from underneath the bed he was making sounds i've never heard before so he was showing his that dissatisfaction from no longer being you know the the baby of the household but i took the steps that are necessary to introduce cats in such situations it's not just an issue of putting them in the same room and letting them you know work it out right. it's you have to you know separate them and we did some tricks like feeding them their dinner uh, you know, from the opposite sides of a closed door. So the crack underneath the door kind of allows each cat to smell one another, and they associate the scent of the other cat kind of with the pleasure of eating dinner. So, you know, it kind of eases the uh, the process of introducing two of them together. So we followed some advice. You know, that's a time we hopped on the Internet and talked to some experts and thought about the easiest way of doing it. But after six or seven days, it's like a switch flipped in Klaus, and he, at that point, just fell in love with Oscar. You know, we would bring him out periodically and just let it, let Oscar sit on our laps when Klaus was sleeping during those early days. And then after that, we would, you know, give him a little, give Klaus a little glimpse of Oscar. And, um, you know, on the sixth or seventh day, he just walked up, started licking him and kind of took him under his wing. And what kind of challenges did you face early on with Oscar and his blindness? You know, exactly zero challenges. And that's the, 
the amazing thing because I had no experience with blind animals or, you know, with what people would call like special needs animals. It was, uh, I, I had a different, uh, idea of what it would be like. I thought that there would be issues finding a litter box, especially since he never had a litter box before he was outside, go to the bathroom wherever he wanted to. And, uh, you know, just uh, how would he find his food? Just questions like that. Would he run into things? Do we need to put some sort of you know, foam or something along the, you know, the baseboards in case he, he's playing and he runs into a wall. But honestly, <laughs> there, there is nothing that requires any extra attention on my part as long, I think, as a cat like Oscar, that, you know, blind from birth is put into an indoor environment where, where he or she is safe, then there isn't much else that you have to do. You know, the, the cats don't rely, I think, on, on vision as much as we you know, humans would attribute to that sense. And, uh, he did great. There, there were no, no problems at all. Well, I need his cat instincts cause I'm totally blind and I hit walls all the time. Well, you know, <laughs> the, the thing is everybody will, will hit walls when Klaus is, you know, playing and running around here and, you know, Klaus is a fully sighted cat. He too will, uh, you know, miss and then, you know, slide on the, <laughs> the bare floor and run into the couch or he'll try to jump from one, uh, ops, you know, one, like the, the edge of the couch to the bed or something like that or his cat tree and he will miss just because he <laughs> you know, just doesn't gauge it correctly. Mm. So it, it's not a, you know, an issue, you know, obviously Oscar's life is a little bit different and when he does get excited and he plays and there's something new on the floor he hasn't seen before, it's very likely that he might bump into it, but very quickly he, you know, puts that in his memory bank that that's there and he adjusts to, to that new environment uh, almost instantaneously. Mm. It's interesting, you know, you, you almost wonder that because he was an outdoor cat as a kitten, that that perhaps maybe helped meld his instincts a little better uh, than a cat that was maybe raised indoor. It, maybe. It, it could very well be. However, you know, over the course of the years, as we uh, kind of built our social uh, or online family uh, using Facebook and uh you know, met a lot of people that were in contact with and a lot of experts in the field. There's an organization called Blind Cat um, Rescue and Sanctuary. Uh, it, it's the, I think the case for a lot of cats, whether they're outdoors or indoors, especially if they're born born blind, they just uh, automatically, you know, rely on, on the other senses, maybe a little bit more. But at the same time, it comes down to having kind of mental maps of the location that they're in. That's the consensus anyway. And the interesting thing, uh, about that is when I take Oscar on the road with me and we stay at a hotel room, then he has some built-in, uh, I, I guess you would call them schemas or just kind of uh, mental maps of how things operate. For example, if he walks around the carpeted floors of the, you know, the main living quarters and or of the hotel room, he knows that that's probably where he's going to find a bed and some chairs and so on and so forth. If he steps on the the cold tile, that generally means that he's in the bathroom. So he very quickly starts uh, feeling his way out for the toilet, and he can jump on the edge of the toilet on the seat, and then you know feels out for where the tank is, and then he's normally sitting on top of the toilet tank, kind of reaching out for where the the bathroom counter might be because his goal is to get into the sink because mm. cats naturally like to <laughs> drink running water. So, right. you know, no matter what hotel room, I can see him apply those rules that, you know, let him find what he wants to find very quickly. And it's a matter of 30 minutes before he's at ease with the place. You know, wow. he can move around without any problem. Does, does Klaus treat him just like any other cat? 
I think so. I, that's, you know, I don't have a lot of experience with Klaus and other cats, but I, I have had other cats in the past and I know, you know, the way they interact. And I think Klaus definitely does. I don't see him uh, treating him any differently. I think that Oscar, uh, the fact that Oscar's a little bit younger and probably a little tougher, he's a, he's a perfect match for Klaus. So whatever advantage Klaus may have with Vision is, you know, quickly zeroed out by Oscar's <laughs> this ambition. So, you know, you pour food in the food bowl and the cats are napping in another room, Oscar will be the first one to come <laughs> running. So, so he knows what's, you know, what's good. But, you know, interesting thing, though, just from, uh, uh, I guess, the standpoint of, of studying cats or, or, you know, predators, they, you know, a lot of mammal pre- predators rely on visual uh, information to, um, to communicate, you know, and facial expressions to communicate, uh, you know, some sort of mood or intent. So obviously everything from you know the the lips curling back and you know the you know the exposing teeth and bearing teeth and uh, um, you know eyes being focused on something and ears being you know low to the to the head all of those things are kind of indicating to a, maybe another member of the species or another animal that the cat might be um, you know kind of in, in an angry mood or he may lash out at any time or strike out or whatever it may be so. Uh, with Oscar's, you know, very small eyes, it's I think very easy for Klaus to notice that something may be off about kind of the facial structure. However, that's uh, something that's also um, I personally don't notice it anymore, and maybe Klaus doesn't either because Oscar is still very expressive just with his eyelids and the muscles around his eyes, so he can still kind of, you know. L- you know, gaze at you and have that image of, uh, you know, the cat kind of like in the, you know, the Shrek cartoons, Puss in Boots. Uh, you know, you know, it has, it's he has the big eyes that melt everybody's heart and he right. gets away with whatever. I can see those expressions personally within Oscar. So, you know, maybe Klaus now learns how to read him. You know, he knows something is a little different, but he can read him just the same. But, yeah, that's a whole other topic. I mean, that's, uh, you know, animal behavior there, but... Um, it's fun to observe and learn about these things uh, with these guys in the house. Absolutely. So why don't you walk us through then how the whole YouTube superstardom happened? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, I, I recorded a lot of the, the videos of Oscar when he was a kid. And just for the, the sake of my own you know, memories, something that I could watch in the future, I um, always brought a camera with me. So I actually have footage of Oscar on that farm from that first day, even before I brought him home. And I collected a lot of this stuff and, you know, never had any desire to necessarily put this stuff uh, on YouTube to share with the world. But I, I was a fan of cat videos and, you know, I, or I should call them viral videos. They didn't have to necessarily be cat videos, but I knew that user created content on YouTube could reach a lot of uh, people. But, you know, the reason I put the first video of Oscar on there was just as a means of sharing uh, something funny that Oscar did with friends across the nation and, you know, family around the world. And that was just a perfect vehicle, you know, technology at the time to upload a large video since it couldn't be attached to an email. And, uh, you know, I listed the video publicly. So I had Oscar since July of 2011. And as he was growing up, uh, he did a lot of interesting things. One of the things he did um, in the morning when my wife was blow drying her hair, a lot of times she would just point the hair dryer towards him and he liked the you know, the warm air coming out of the, the hair dryer. And sometimes she would crank it up so it was really, you know, blowing at him. And then there's a cool air button on the hair dryer. So she would kind of treat it like a, you know, like a high power blower. 
and he liked the idea that something's coming at him and he tries to get it so you know he would stand up on his hind legs and try to kind of shadow box with the air <laughs> and i think to a to a blind cat in a lot of ways it may be I guess the analogy would be maybe like a laser pointer to a sighted cat. You know, it's something the cat's chasing. You know, he never technically gets it, but the chase is the fun part of it. And and he did that every single morning. So I just uh, happened to, to capture that moment where he started playing with the air coming out of the hairdryer, stood up on his hind legs. It's it's a you know he stands up for I think you know 20 seconds or 30 seconds. So it's it's hilarious whether you're watching just uh, three seconds of it or whether you watch the full you know minute of the video. Um, so in a way I kind of created the, you know, the quintessential guy cat videos, like something that immediately <laughs> resonates with everybody around the world. It's hilarious, whether, you know, a segment or the full thing. And the video started to gain some traction, uh, after I shared it with friends, you know, you never know where it ends up at that point. It's, you know, maybe they put it on Reddit, maybe they sent it to some site. I have no idea what happened, but it started getting more and more views. And then I was kind of thrown into the, the world of, creating content for YouTube because a lot of people, and I, I refer to him as Oscar the blind cat in, in the description of the video in the title, because if people noticed his face or, or noticed that something was different about his appearance, they could get that from the title right away. And, uh, you know, I never, I guess, you know, defined him as being a blind cat. To me, he was just a cat. But a lot of people saw that title and were curious about living with a blind cat and what it's like. So I decided to share some more videos. The next one was uploaded also, you know, in the fall, uh, maybe a month after the original hairdryer video. And it was one that was more of kind of a, kind of a, I don't know, kind of emotionally charged, kind of like a heartfelt video that showed Oscar playing with the very first toys that he ever had you know this was the first day of transition from the farm to this synthetic indoor environment and he was playing with a ball that had a bell inside and it's not a funny cat video but it's one that i think resonated with a lot of people because it's you know holidays end of the year people needed something to break out from the negative news cycle so um we came through with that one and that one actually had more views on youtube and and then after that we kind of you know, a lot of things snowballed from there. Uh, people wanted to see photos. So Facebook was a perfect way of delivering that and creating a community of people who are interested in Oscar's life. It was, to me, a perfect way to chronicle my life and have everything in one place, to share it with friends and family, and then to share it with all the people that have now been watching Oscar grow up over the years. So it's an obligation to keep going, even uh, if, if for no other reason, you know. I kind of feel like Oscar belongs to the world at this point since he started off when he was so young. And so how long did it take for things to really change for you guys? Well, um, there were different stages to the way we treated this. Uh, I, I guess uh, having a popular YouTube video, it's kind of like a, like a lightning strike or, you know, just it's a very momentary thing and, and people will frequently you know, try to capitalize on it by having merchandise and things like that. And, you know, I always wanted, and I observed what other popular animals were doing. And this, I started this, this studying this kind of early on in, in our own uh, career here with Oscar. So we spent the first maybe nine months to a year just creating a lot of content for YouTube and, and kind of, you know, showing other little snippets from our life and trying to um, you know, maybe educate some other people about what it's like to have a blind cat. And again, it's not 
in our case, it's not that different from having any other cat, but I think it was just a peace of mind uh, for a lot of people that uh, would allow them to consider a cat like Oscar if they found one in a shelter. They wouldn't dismiss it immediately because they see Oscar thriving. And, and things at that point were really focused, again, on YouTube and uh, on um, the, the Facebook page. And we found as the Facebook page grew that it was a good community um, to share other cats who are at, at a shelter, perhaps, in a small town somewhere that are in a position where they are not adopted because they were blind or have some other, uh, maybe a neurological problem or something that made them be overlooked. So we st getting, started getting some requests, or and we actually found some things on our you know, own initiative too, um, over the web, animals that needed extra help. And as our page continued to grow, it was kind of like a, a beacon to you know, rebroadcast that signal to a wider audience. And we started having some good luck getting cats uh, adopted. And, and a lot of times there were hopeless and desperate situations. You know, some of the greatest things we ever did um, in terms of scale, you know, there were cats in Oman in the Middle East that needed to be uh, saved. And ultimately people and, and came together in the United States and they ended up going to a shelter in uh, Portland, Oregon. So you know, these cats traveled halfway around the world and they were ultimately placed. Um, and this is all due to the ability for people to store, you know, source funds uh, via donations to put these kind of elaborate handoff schemes together. I personally was involved in driving some of the cats from from the airport here in Seattle down to Portland, you know, as the final leg of this journey. So that was the focus of the the page and the community that we built very early on. It was just showing off what Oscar can do, and then uh, um, you know. Sh pointing out other animals in a position similar to maybe Oscars, where they have less of a chance to be adopted. And another thing that happened, we started receiving a lot of uh, you know, fun, cool cat products from very small independent companies across you know, the US, across Canada as well. Uh, companies that don't have a you know, presence in a store like Petco or PetSmart for whatever reason. Uh, we instead of setting up a traditional merchandise shop that a lot of pet stars had, you know, a place that prints T-shirts on demand or coffee mugs and so on, we decided to set up our own shop and then, you know, just be a reseller for a lot of these uh, cool product manufacturers. So, you know, the next phase of this whole life cycle was building up kind of a an online uh, shop that featured a lot of things that you might not find anywhere else and Oscar and Klaus were the, always the official product testers so we always <laughs> you know endorsed <laughs> everything perfectly and you know the, and then uh, you know there's a third part to to this which kind of everything kind of grows organically and it makes sense because once we're able to ship things effectively around the world and we have a little you know half the house is designated for shipping things and we have a warehouse space where we keep everything um, we found that if we created a a children's book of some sort, then it would be no problem fulfilling all of the orders and doing the things ourselves. This wouldn't be a, a matter in which we're relying on a traditional publisher and approaching publishers and then waiting, you know, the long life cycle to get something released. We could do it using a platform like Kickstarter and uh, get the funds necessary to pay for printing costs and for, you know, the artwork and so on and be able to fulfill those orders. So the next stage was to create, um, Oscar and Klaus Publishing, and to release two books, which this is another example in which we wanted to do things a little differently. Instead of having something kind of generic like a like a photo book 
that only makes sense if you know the real animal that you know this meme like i don't know let me use a grumpy cat as an example you know a grumpy cat exists people are familiar with this thing and then there's a book at the local Barnes and Noble that has pictures of Grumpy right. Cat with some funny sayings. It's just a continuation of what already exists on the on the web. We wanted something that could be picked up and enjoyed um, by anybody, and it's an it's an illustrated um, children's book series. It doesn't rely on photos of Oscar and Klaus, so you might not even know that a real cat named Oscar exists, who was the inspiration for all of this. And the book, uh, you know, has merit on that by itself. And uh, th that was, you know, received very well by a lot of educators and fans and uh, later organizations like the National Federation of the Blind. I mean, I'm skipping way ahead now. This is, you know, I fast forwarded into year four of this whole project. But, <laughs> but, but everything, as you can see, was like a stepping stone where we did one thing and then it, it gave us that, that experience to do the next thing and the next thing. And, uh, you know, and we have many more projects that are still coming and, and who knows where the where everything ends up but it's all about sharing oscar and showing him as a cat who is not defined by his blindness you know he is adventurous he's outgoing he's sometimes creative in his approaches and and that's the way um, i want him to be portrayed so well and i think that that's really the interesting thing is that there are parallels between oscar and say a lot of people who are blind Absolutely. I, I think so, yeah. And I think that, that you know, especially blind children, and, and this plays into the the idea of the children's book, and that's really kind of what, what interested me, was that that the children's books really kind of speak to a certain audience as well on, on more than just a, a level about a, a cute blind cat. There's a real message, underlying message there for blind children. Uh, definitely. I, I know that that's the case because we uh, have received a lot of feedback about the books from uh, a lot of people and a lot of organizations. Uh, and this is for educators of you know visually impaired kids uh, to standard classrooms across the country to uh, endorsements from you know Mark Riccobono of the National Federation of the Blind who made Oscar an honorary member, card-carrying member now, <laughs> and, uh, uh, you know, they, uh, the, the National Federation of the Blind also um, awarded the uh, Dr. Jacob Belotten Award to the Oscar and Klaus publishing team, which, again, I should introduce my, uh, my good partner in this, Travis Bossard, who's a, a very old friend and creative partner of mine, and, and we collaborate on these projects together. He doesn't live in Seattle with me, so we, you know, we talk on the phone every day and see how to take this story. But the, the, the cool thing is that, that we received an award that was granted in years past to people like, uh, you know, Ray Kurzweil and to Apple computers for building in accessibility features. So it's something that I think um, it shows that the books are fulfilling the mission, which is the full integration of the blind into society on the basis of equality. And that message is there in the books. And I, I am I see it now very clearly, while before, to me, the big motivation was not to only show Oscar as completely capable and confident, because that's important. Uh, to me, it was also a, a message of, you know, exploring the world, whether you're out getting lost on adventures in the forest, searching for, you know, mythical Sasquatch or going into space. It's just the idea that the world is there to be explored, regardless of, you know, what cards you were dealt at birth. And... Uh, 
And that stems from a stint that I, I had working for a nonprofit organization that actually pushed for that as well, just getting kids to unplug and explore the world around them. And yeah, but now I see the message is even louder and broader than what I remember <laughs> when we started. Now, and, and both books are, of course, available in Braille as well. They are. The, the nice thing about being noticed by uh, some of these organizations is that you know, before we, Travis and I offered the books in Braille as a special order item, it so happens that Travis's brother uh, works for uh, a school service in the Midwest and he does all, of, you know, he, he transcribes all the materials into Braille for students who need it. So he had the expertise to do it, but, you know, the materials and the time and, you know, paying him and Taco Bell and beer, whatever he wanted, you know, it all added up to, to <laughs> get him to do this for us. And, you know, we were able to crank out one book every month that way and, and offer it for people. But um, thanks to a very generous grant on behalf of the American Action Fund for Blind Children and Adults, we were, were able to get, you know, a large number of the books uh, uh, converted into the Twin Vision Braille. And we can sell them for exactly the same price that the standard books cost. So, you know, you can get you know, 40-page, nice, hardbound book for $15, whether it has Braille or whether it's the standard version. And, and that is a very big thing to us because accessibility was always important. And I'll do one side note, too. You know, actually, before we had the, the Braille books, very early on, we decided to create an audio book for each of the stories. So uh, there is one that's finished and available for our first book. And that's something that Travis and I did on our own. We wanted... Uh, the audiobook version to be um, there for uh, you know blind or visually impaired kids or adults. Uh, it was also a means for us to get creative. You know we we're musicians in our past life, and actually Travis still is very much involved in that field. But we we're able to record something on our own, create the original music, record all of the sound effects, you know, gather sounds with field recorders, you know, out in the woods ourselves, and create something that's similar to the quality of audiobooks that, you know, like Walt Disney Company put out back right. in the late 40s and 50s or the heyday of that. So it's important, and now we have support to make it all reality. Fantastic. Yeah, we're very lucky. Yeah, you must wake up in the morning and just have this moment of, I can't believe this is where this has gone. Yeah, no, it's it's a fantastic thing. Um it's nothing that's ever was done for monetary gain or anything like that because there really isn't any, you know, I mean, we're struggling here in Seattle. It's an expensive place to live. You know, to me, it's not the best and smartest options in terms of, you know, financial well-being. It's, it's more of a labor of love. I hope that we do sell more books ultimately and opportunities come up to, to make this a really, a, you know, a career that will pay for my, you know, kids college but uh, <laughs> but who knows i mean that's something that's a discussion you know for another day and i'm, I'm not right. even interested at this point to me the biggest freedom is is that i get to spend more time with oscar because i do a lot of my work from home i get to spend more time with my two young daughters you know one is about ready to turn two this week and the other one is five months old so it's it was wonderful i could be home with them during these very important kind of formative years and um that's the greatest joy from it now, you've also just raised the funds to have one of the books, I, I guess it's the second one, The Mission yes. to Kataria, yeah. uh, read to school children from a, a live feed from the International Space Station. Absolutely. How did now, that, that come about? A, 
Yeah, no, that's an incredible thing. Uh, again, it's one of those honors and things that, you know, that it's very hard to take it seriously because I still don't believe it, you know, until the <laughs> rocket goes up. But there is an organization uh, based in, in Canada called Storytime from Space. And uh, this organization has a lot of former, um, you know, former NASA astronauts and, and uh, people involved in different levels of administration and so on working together to um, basically, I, I, I guess, introduce books to kids um, that, number one, open their minds about space and, and make them dream about, uh, you know, a career, you know, as an astronaut or a researcher or a scientist. So it is really kind of a push towards those STEM careers, but also really um, just, I guess, promote literacy in the coolest possible way. And that is by actually sending a physical copy of a children's book, and there have only been, I think, 12 to date. So uh, Oscar is maybe 12th or 13th book. Um, to actually send the physical copy of the book to the International Space Station, and at some point, with you know the Earth rotating below, or actually the space station orbiting, uh, this beautiful backdrop of the you know the planet spinning below, a, an astronaut or a crew member will read the book. This is then recorded and the video feed can be sent to classrooms across the world um it's edited a little bit too so you know you can actually incorporate some of the images from the book along with the video feed when this is done um there are experiments on board as well that will accompany the book so there will be i if i remember correctly nine experiments um that will accompany this book and these experiments will be structured in such a way that they will demonstrate how a blind scientist or explorer like Oscar can study the universe or some property of the universe just as effectively as anybody else. So this will really be about encouraging uh, blind kids to, to think about science careers. And we're still working on the experiments. This is something that will be a project between, you know, former NASA or astronaut and some uh, members from the National Federation of the Blind, we have put those two organizations in touch together. So it'll really be a big collaboration. And this will happen sometime in 2017. Wow. It's incredible. Cool. And the funds uh, yeah, that I'm raising, uh, yeah, I, there's no way I would raise the funds to pay for the whole thing. So luckily, the Storytime from Space has the you know, agreements with, uh, with NASA and other agencies to make this happen because the cost soars into not even the tens of thousands of dollars. It's hundreds of thousands of dollars, you can imagine. And there's a lot of competition for what gets sent right. uh, to the space station. So uh, the only funds that we had to really come up with um, that we're responsible for as authors are funds to test the, the book uh, materials for you know toxicity. Just make sure that it's safe to go into space. And, you know, there's a probably a NASA lab that does that. So it is unfortunately expensive, but... You know, not as, as expensive as the whole project. So our fans came through and, and people from, you know, around the world came through and bought the Oscar T-shirt and we have the money necessary. So this is happening for sure. Wonderful. So Rob, order your Oscar and close T-shirt. <laughs> That's right. I, I, I probably will be getting one. Yeah, it's a little bit over one day at this point is left in that. And uh, yeah, it's great to do. The company that we work with on the, on the shirts did a wonderful job. We wanted the shirts to have the, you know, the tactile ink, the yeah. raised ink, so you can actually read the braille that's on there. It says Oscar into orbit, 
as well as the body of Oscar in a spacesuit. It's it's kind of a puffy <laughs> ink, so you can feel the the contours of you know his spacesuit and where his ear antennae are and all that good stuff. Ryan, I just found your Christmas present. <laughs> you only got a day left. That or the audiobook. The, the last uh, project that uh, is, is going to kind of come out of all of this, in addition to a third book, which has to happen at some point, I think it's, that's for sure that there are fans of the books now, and uh, I, I have a lot of ideas floating around in my head that need to come out. So we're going to do a third book, but and we do want to have an Oscar... Uh, plush toy as well and this is something that will also fund using kickstarter and this will be a project that we'll do uh in, in a way with the national federation of the blind you know have some sort of involvement there but this will be a, a, an oscar toy that resembles the way oscar is portrayed in the book so it's a little i guess anthropomorphic he stands on his hind legs but it's a toy that will actually feature a cane it'll be the only toy of its kind on, on the on the market and uh not only will have a cane, Oscar will have a, a backpack as well. And that backpack uh, will have room for a very small, portable, and durable MP3 player. So the audiobooks will be able to be put onto that as well as any additional information or material that uh, kids can download from the web. And uh, this is something that you know, can accompany uh, any kiddo on adventures. Uh, the toy will be about 14 inches tall when it's finished, kind of finalizing the prototypes at this point. But uh, we're looking at a lot of creative ways to make it happen, to, to finance this project, to make it feasible to do. It's actually really tough to get toys designed and, and out to the market. You do have to invest in a lot, you know, and, and you're buying thousands of toys. Not You can't get 40 made, for example. Right. Or you could, but it'd be outrageous cost. So we're looking to make it... Um, the whole campaign on Kickstarter running away that we're able to donate a portion of those toys uh, once we have a successful campaign uh, to underserved blind kids across the, the U.S. and Canada as well, ultimately. So it's something that is still in the early stages, but I'm very excited about this because a lot of Oscars, what I'm going to call traditional fans, the people that you know remember him from just the early days of YouTube, they want an Oscar toy of some sort. And... Uh, you know, I brought our first prototype around to a few different events we did recently, and, and people go crazy over it. So to me, it's a big deal. And uh, there are a lot of actually educators and, uh, you know, teaching kids about the independence that they gain from using a cane. Um, and Oscar is a perfect model for that. You know, it just, it just shows that, you know, the hero of these books uses the cane because it's a means of, of his independence as he's moving around. And I think it just kind of validates that for a lot of kids who do not want to stand out by using one. So uh, I'm very excited to just bring that for that purpose alone. Absolutely. And you mentioned, you know, taking him to a lot of different uh, events and appearances and stuff. What, what kind of events and appearances do you generally go to? Well, you know, I'm open to a lot of ideas. I never really seek these things out, but uh, opportunities come out. Sometimes they're just pet summits, uh, you know, dealing with animal welfare, and people want to have Oscar there because they recognize him as a kind of an internet celebrity. I mean, he's been on the web now for half a decade. So to some people, it's, it's just crazy that Oscar's going to, you know, be in, in Brooklyn or in Los Angeles for an event. A lot of times... Um, it's for uh, 
an animal shelter that's doing a fundraising event. Then they might do a silent auction, and then Oscar is kind of a special guest. Other times, it's something like the National Federation of the Blind State of Washington Convention. And Oscar was kind of the, the featured guest of that, and I had an opportunity to speak about the books and the projects and our involvement with the NFB. Um, you know, other times, it's, it's other things. Uh, this Thursday, for example, he's going to head out with, uh, with Klaus and, and me down to uh, a local brewery that's doing a fundraising event for an organization called the Paw Project, which is an initiative in the U.S. to have some uh, to actually have a bill that bans cat declawing, the practice of declawing, and that's something that we support. You know, uh, the ban on declawing. So uh, having Oscar there will draw, I think, a fair amount of people and raise a little bit more money. So Oscar doesn't leave the house frequently. Um, he travels very, very well, and generally, it's for uh, events that are relatively close to us. Every once in a while, he will hop on an airplane and travel a little bit further. You know, this summer we'll be at CatCon, which is the huge convention for people who are just obsessed with cats. You know, that's in Los Angeles. Uh -oh. is the third year they're doing it. Bye, Rob. Rob. Rob's got a new vacation <laughs> destination. Yeah, uh, August 13th, you know, 11th through the 13th. I'm writing that. Down. Those dates are coming out. But yeah, something like like that makes a lot of sense to us because it's exposure to new fans, opportunity to be in touch with a lot of. Uh, traditional media, you know, uh, news outlets, USA Today, and then you know Huffington Post, all, all of, you know, some online, some print publications will be there. So it's great to share Oscar's story that way, and um, you know, gain new fans and um, kind of help propel this thing uh, even further. I wouldn't travel with Oscar if he didn't travel well. Right. And he does extremely well, whether in the car or the airplane. It's an issue of you know leaving his carrier out at the house at all times so he's used to it it just feels like it's a part of home he sleeps in it at night so when i carry it it's essentially like traveling in your own bed it makes flying a lot easier and i think he's relatively stress-free in all of those events you know nothing beats being at home but for a little exposure to to a good cause and raising money for a great organization hanging out with me somewhere for a few hours and then you know, watching and listening to bad television the rest of the night, eating junk food. He can handle that. I can handle it too. Uh, and does does Klaus generally go along as well? or? It's tougher to travel with him since uh, we have the kids. Uh, I did travel. The last time I traveled with Klaus was in 2015. We all went down to South by Southwest. And that was a promote, promotional event that uh, Frisky's uh, Cat Food put together. They had this uh, venue that they renamed the House of Bacon and, and the Grumpy Cat and a lot of other famous internet cats were there but yeah it was just kind of a meet and greet for fans of uh, internet cats and it, yeah I mean it was a you know I mean you imagine walking or sitting in your airplane seat and here comes a family with you know a baby and then two cats uh, you know that was just dread for people who had to wonder if we're going to sit next to them but actually no he travels quite well I, it's very hard to fly with, with two cats for one person. So now I'm traveling by myself. You do have to pay for a pet to be underneath the seat. And generally, airlines charge between $100 and $150 one way. So sometimes it's cheaper for me to fly than for Oscar. I mean, he's you know 300 bucks on <laughs> Delta or something. So, yeah, uh, you know if I have to have a second cat, then all of a sudden we're looking – up to 600 bucks round trip, and then I have to have him underneath somebody else's seat. I don't know how that even works. So well, hold on. Yeah, Klaus wait wait a, a second. If he's a, if he's a card-carrying NFB member, you should be able to get on as a companion fare. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> true. You know, technically, he could. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> no, no, it's, it's fine. It's, uh, Klaus is 
10 years older than uh, than Oscar. So I, I think he had, you know, these are his golden years. So at this right. point, I won't take him to too many places. But he has a few appearances left. I just don't know when and where. He will be at CatCon in, in Los Angeles in August, though. So we're, we're all going down there. We, we'll probably drive down there from Seattle. Right. So, so are there any uh, internet uh, cats out there that you just can't stand? The, the fame's just gone straight to their head. <laughs> well, no, I, I can't say that. You know, the the cats, they're, they're cats. They're wonderful. You know, the owners they have different uh, ideas of you know what to do with this kind of the stardom. I think some people treat it kind of like a launching pad for their own, I don't know, Hollywood careers because some accounts, you know, you see the person more than you see the cat, and people are following for the cat. So it's kind of it's kind of funny, you know, it's just different personalities. I don't have anything except good things to say, though, about everybody that we met. You know, everybody from Grumpy Cat's owners, and, you know, that's a different ent- entity altogether. I mean, this is like a, you know, multi, multi-million dollar licensing thing. You know, there are toys of Grumpy Cat in every drugstore and gas station across America at one point. So, you know, they had a different approach uh, to it, but, you know, it's fun sharing notes and, you know, realizing that we get to do some exceptionally cool things because of the pets and uh you know the direction that i want to go really is to not only inspire people to think differently about adopting cats or or dogs who are blind but also to inspire blind kids and adults to live life to the fullest which is kind of what you know oscar embodies uh but now they're, they're all great and i think just to add to that i think a lot of the the famous cats out there like uh grumpy cat little bub you know oscar they're all rescue cats from a shelter or, um, you know, for kind of rejects from a, from a breeder. You know, they were considered less than perfect by the standards of right. like a, what a pedigree cat show would do. But uh, they really, they're all unique and they all have, you know, some sort of, you know, what, what people would call, quote unquote, an issue. And I think maybe that encourages people to, to adopt whatever cat needs home the most at the shelter instead of looking for the perfect kitten, you know. So they all do wonders just by sharing their pictures and videos daily. Uh, anything that you want to you want to plug or you want to talk about? Um, I mean, we'll we'll of course sure <clears throat> include you know the the website and everything in the show notes as well. But go ahead and and you know where can people find you? Yes, for information about Oscar, um, obviously you know a quick <clears throat> a Google search of Oscar and that's spelled with a K. A lot of people do it with a C, but uh, O S K A R. Um, Oscar on Google will bring up uh, almost immediately our the most famous YouTube videos, but also links to our, our Facebook page. Um, but really, we try to make a create a hub recently for all things related to what Oscar is doing, and that website is OscarCat.com or OscarTheCat.com. All of those uh, web addresses will point to the same. Uh, location. So there we will definitely share information about the upcoming Kickstarter campaign that we'll have for the plush toy, about the inf- you know information about Oscar's book um, once it's in space or, or you know when the launch date is uh, announced so people can link to the Storytime from Space website. We'll announce all our involvement with the National Federation of the Blind, so we'll have some uh, links directed from there as well. Out of social media networks, I am really a big fan of Instagram. I think it's kind of the, the slickest and easiest to operate for the majority of our fans. So uh, just a quick search of Oscar the Blind Cat uh, in the search bar will bring up our Instagram account. Great. And you'll be able to follow us 
Um, and we do post almost daily, so there are all sorts of adventures and shenanigans. Sorry, I'm writing that down. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah, I know what Rob's doing the rest of the day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think we have. It, it's in the thousands as far as pictures and videos. So wow. it's. Yeah, you will not be bored. I promise you that. <laughs> Okay. Well, uh, thanks Mick for, for coming on. I mean, we really appreciate it. And it was, uh, it was awesome to talk to you. Well, thank you very much. (laughs) Give our best to Oscar. Uh, Right next to me right here. Yeah. Klaus actually came back and Oscar is down here too. Yeah. He's interested in what I'm doing now. So (laughs) does Oscar have anything he wants to add? Uh, Good Lord. Um, Vote for Hillary. <laughs> yeah, maybe yeah, out of all those choices, that'd probably be a better choice as far as he's concerned. But yeah, no, he's not interested. You know, that's the beauty of being a cab. You don't care what happens. You know? That's right. Yeah, he, he, he probably, he probably heard that Trump is into grabbing pussies too. So. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, no, we'll see. we got a few more hours of election. And, uh, and after that, yeah, I'm, I'm going to this fundraiser to drink beer just to celebrate the end of the election. The money race for the Pro Project, that's like an extra thing. But, <laughs> but no, again, it was a pleasure to uh, to be on the podcast and uh, definitely, you know, excited to continue with this journey. And Oscar is only five years old now. So I think we have many, many more years of him spreading his message. And it's certainly a positive one. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, we'll keep we'll, we'll uh, keep an eye on for him. And thanks so much. Thank you very much. Okay. Take care, Mick. Take care. Bye. Well. I thought that was amazing. That was pretty fun. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm going to CatCon. I'm already booking the time right now. You should. I have to admit, when you when you said our guest was going to be a cat, I thought Rob's Rob's gone. He's gone nuts. He's he's cracked. But uh, but this was this was actually a lot of fun. It was. It was and very interesting. Well, I think it was interesting. You know, him talking about the advocacy issues and you know how the blind cat kind of relates to blind children, and a cane isn't you know a negative thing. It can be a positive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought it was a, an interesting take on it all. Yeah, yeah, it's a really good message. Mm-hmm. I you know. I think he stopped short on saying what he really thought about Grumpy Cat, though. I heard Grumpy Cat is a bit of a handful, a bit of a diva. I just just the rumors I've heard. That's all. But Oscar's still young. You know, he's got a long time ahead of him. That's true. Where the hell can people find us, Ryan? People can find us online at atbanter.com. And they can email us at atbanterpodcast at gmail.com. They can also find us on Facebook. They can find us on the Google. They can find us on YouTube. And Twitter. And Twitter. iTunes. Stitcher. (laughs) What are we doing next week, Ryan? Next week, we have Ben from a new startup called BuzzClip, which is a wearable sonar device for people who are blind. Really? Where are they based out of? Ontario, I believe. Oh, really? Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to hearing about their new product. It, I think it was about to launch the end of October, so. All right. Should be interesting. Absolutely. All right, well, until then, good folks of the internet, we will see you next week. Well. This podcast has been brought to you by Aroga Technologies. Visit Aroga Technologies online at www.aroga.com. That's A-R-O-G-A.com. Music provided by bensound.com. 